Through the end of the year, the Banner of Truth is running its annual Christmas special. That means the Banner has its best prices of the year on all of its books. In particular, the multi-volume sets go on steep discount up to 50% off. Readers will be interested to see their new Puritan box sets and the new premium editions of the Valley of Vision, which are now available. Check them out at thebanneroftruth.org and give some gifts this year that will give some lasting spiritual help long after Christmas is over. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 120, and we're going to be back in 1 Peter chapter 5 today. And I'm going to talk to you about warnings of becoming a CEO pastor. Specifically, it says not domineering over the flock. And so we're going to talk about what is dominance and then how to avoid that. And then there is some pastoral paradigms that are current and popular today that I really want to shatter today, hopefully shatter for you today. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we need wisdom and help as we consider 1 Peter chapter 5, and we want to be biblical pastors. We want to love people well. We want to shepherd as you would have us shepherd. And Lord, we just we want to be faithful to you. We want to be obedient. We thank you for your grace to us, and we just ask that you would lead this time. I trust, Holy Spirit, that you're going to help me as I talk through several of these issues about dominance. I trust you're going to help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two things before we get going. Number one, I want you to be a part of the Shepherd's Crook cohort. This cohort is going to be very unique, and I think it's going to be the best cohort out there. These things have been kind of popular over the last couple of years. These cohorts can be very expensive. I mean, up to a thousand bucks. What I'm trying to do here for you is make the best cohort possible at the best price possible by far. It's 125 bucks. You can go onto the shepherdscrook.co, follow the link in the show notes, and you can sign up. And here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do six sessions, and they're going to be at my house, but they're also going to be online Zoom calls. And I've invited four of my friends to help me out. Two of them are going to do a pre-recorded interview that will be an exclusive interview for you, Dr. Tom Askell and Bill Smith. Now, Bill Smith might actually be there live with me one of those weeks, so he may be on the Zoom call as well. But then I've got Michael Foster, Brian Sauvay, and Eric Kahn, so I guess that's five, that's going to be helping me out with this as well. And so, like I said, this is not going to be a waste of your time or your money. Each cohort session will be the last Saturday of every month from January to June of 2021. You can sign up, pay and be a part of it. Would love for you to be a part of it. There really is no limit on how many people can sign up. It's just how many people can fit in my house and then how many people can join online. So pastors would love for you to be a part of this. If your pastoral team wants to be a part of this, please jump jump in. We're going to be talking about courage to stand against all enemies. So I've identified six current enemies that we've got to stand against and we've got to fight for the truth, the truth of God, the truth of God's word, and do that with courage. And so we're going to encourage each other to do that. Please sign up. The second thing is the Fruitful and Fearless Cookbook. My wife and my wife Jordan and her friend Lexi Sauvet are the co-host of the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, which is an amazing podcast that the Shepherd's Crook hosts. It's a part of the Shepherd's Crook for Wives. And if your wives aren't currently listening to it, I would encourage you to, you know, hey, shoot a link to them and have them start listening to them. It's a great podcast. It gets a lot more traction than mine. They do a phenomenal job talking about being women and pastor's wives, and they just got a lot of really great content, so please check that out. But they put together a cookbook with two of their other friends, so there's four ladies that have come together to put together this cookbook that's going to be a legacy cookbook. It's going to be coming out here in the next month or two, and the pages are rip-proof. The pages open flat on the table. The binder is a multi-generational binder built to last. The paper is also waterproof, and so these recipes are not going to get ripped, torn, stained, 
they're really built for the long haul. So they, I think it's $39, and it's the family cookbook, and in the future, they're going to be putting out more recipes, and I've eaten these recipes. I've eaten this food, and let me just tell you, this is really good, and you want your wives to have this cookbook. So pick it up for them or encourage them to pick it up. It's on sale today at fruitfulandfearless.com backslash cookbook. Again, I'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, we're back in 1 Peter 5. All right, I've got a structure here, and I'll go through it quickly with you. First, we're going to look at how domineering men can't handle power. We're going to look at Hebrews 13, 17. We're going to get a quote from Howard Hendricks in his book, Iron Sharpening Iron. And then we're going to quote from Bonhoeffer and really deconstruct this idea of CEO pastor or visionary pastor ministry. And I've talked a lot about this before in previous episodes. It's been a year or two, so it'll be good to reflect on some things that Bonhoeffer has to say. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Every pastor needs to listen in and tune in to what Pastor Peter has to say to us. Here's what he says. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge. Not domineering over those in your charge. Okay, this is what's gotten so many pastors today, this charge of dominance. This is what got Mark Driscoll. It's what got Darren Patrick. Domineering has gotten a hold of so many pastors where it's a it's a control idea. And I think there are several reasons for that. First, let's consider the fact that only real elders can handle power. We have passages, think Hebrews 13, that tell congregations to obey leaders, obey elders. Here's specifically what Hebrews says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. They're keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Elders who are elders in name only, pastors who are pastors in name only, who have strong personalities and, and don't have that strong personality tempered and don't have a group of elders around them to help them temper that personality, to help them offset some of those power tendencies, will use that power and use that control not to help people follow Jesus, not to help people follow them as they follow Christ. They will use that power and wield that power to get them to follow some sort of vision or some sort of ideal that they have set before a congregation. They'll use that power for control. And they'll use passages like Hebrews chapter 13 to say, See, you need to obey me and you need to submit to me. Only godly men, only real elders can handle power. Here's what Howard Hendricks, the late professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, everybody loved Howard Hendricks. He wrote this book several years ago called As Iron Sharpens Iron. And he talks about mentoring and discipleship. And here's one of the things that he warns against when it comes to being discipled by somebody. There can be a tendency... When you look up to somebody and you have been mentored by someone to give that person too much power. And here's what he warns against. One final way to test whether your mentor is exerting too much control over you is ask yourself whether you can regain control whenever you wish. If you can, you're okay. If you can't, you need to reevaluate the relationship. Now, this is specifically talking about mentor and mentoree or disciple and disciplee relationships but it can be more broadly applied to the domineering pastor. It's the kind of pastor who does foolish things and lays demands upon people, and if they don't meet his demands, he expels them, he fires them, he gets them out of the way. He says things like, you've got to get on this bus, on my bus, that kind of stuff. You know, the Driscoll kind of stuff. It's creepy, it's weird, it ends up creating a demanding atmosphere within the congregation, and if the congregation doesn't get in line, they're afraid. Howard Hendricks continues, when Bill was in college, he had a friend who was participating in a group sponsored by a particular parachurch ministry. One spring break, this group decided to hold an event designed for evangelistic outreach. As the holiday approached, Bill asked his friends what his plans were. 
Well, I'd like to go home, the young man said. In fact, I need to go home. He then described a situation that was serious that had come up with his family. Yeah, it sounds like you need to be there, Bill said. But I don't know if you can, the friend replied, much to Bill's surprise. He then explained that one of the leaders in the parachurch group, a man who he'd spent quite a lot of time with and working with him, was urging him to stick around and participate in the outreach event. The leader says, staying around for the event is kind of like a test of my commitment to Christ, Bill's friend told him. If I go home, it's like I'm making my family more important than Christ. That's an awful lot of control for one man to exert over another, probably too much, because the fellow had virtually lost his freedom. He was no longer being given the right to choose his priorities and make his plans. They were essentially being made for him. Bill told him as much. He warned him to rethink this relationship with this man, and he rightly should. The domineering pastor seeks to use his power, not for the good of others, but to control others. And we see this in discipleship relationships. We see this in churches all over the place. Pastors, when they get power, if they're not mature men, will use it wrongly. Okay, today, this often takes shape. And as I'm speaking, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of you men do. This often takes shape in CEO forms of ministry the pastor as visionary kind of ministry. Now, Pentecostals have their prophets that they look to. Baptists and non-denominational folks and Presbyterians, they have their visionary dreamers they look to. And a pastor is this man who's supposed to have a vision for a specific congregation. And the idea is, as the body of Christ and each local assembly is gifted to do certain things, the idea is that each church is gifted to do certain things, and we got to find out what God's vision for our church is, and then we need to be the hand in the community, or we need to be the leg in the community as a congregation. And I'll just tell you right now, that is nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Churches don't get to be the body of Christ as individual members get to be the body of Christ. Now, God will use churches and congregations in specific ways, but it's not the job of the pastor to sniff out what their specific call is in a community and then make everybody else get around that calling or that vision and get in line and then correct anybody or say things like this, well, this is what we do. We're a simple church. We do these things. This is what we do well. And if you don't like this, you can go find another church because this is who we are. That kind of pastoral ministry is the definition of domineering ministry. The pastor, from his brain to the people, brings, again, I used the word mallet last week, brings a mallet to the heads of people and just says, get in line. This is our vision here. If you don't like it, get out. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as you know, probably, Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned against this in his book, Life Together. I've read this multiple times on the podcast because it's just so helpful. Here's what he said all these years ago, 60, 70, 80 years ago, something like that. Here's what he says. God hates visionary dreaming. (laughs) Now that won't play. They posted this Gospel Coalition several years ago. I think Trevin Wax did. And it's like pastors read things like this and they're like, oh yeah, that's good. When are we going to set up our next visionary dreaming meeting? (laughs) It's like it goes in one ear and out the other. But if you get this, pastor, it changes everything. This will shatter literally shatter any idea of CEO ministry if you'll let it. God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of Christian community as if his dream binds men together. When things don't go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first 
the accuser of the brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally, the despairing accuser of himself. God hates visionary dreaming. Friends, I think what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is putting his finger on when he says that he enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, that's domineering. Visionary pastoring, CEO ministry, is the definition of dominating the flock. You're demanding everybody else meet your ideal. You're using your power not for the good of the people to serve them and to see them flourish. You're demanding they come alongside of you and make your dreams come a reality. And pastor, I want to plead with you. If that's how you've been shepherding people, you've been doing it all wrong. You've been using your control in a domineering fashion and it needs to stop. Consider the Apostle Paul. I've always loved the Paul-Apollos exchange at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He gives us insight into this conversation that he and Apollos had had, and he shows us that Apollos was not a man controlled by the Apostle Paul, and Paul was not a man trying to control Apollos. I think this serves as a great example for us to consider as we finish up. Here's what he said to Apollos. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with all the other brothers. Imagine this scene. Apollos, please, I need you over in Corinth, man. It's a mess over there. It's crazy over there. God is at work, certainly. But man, it's crazy. There's a dude sleeping with his father's wife. I mean, you got to do something about this. Come on, Apollos. We need you. We need you over there. So he strongly urged Apollos. But then here's what he says. But it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. So Apollos looks back at Paul or writes back to Paul and says, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not, that's, I've got my mission here. I've got things here that God has for me to do. I'm not going there. When I get time, I'll go to Corinth. Yeah, there's a need, but I'm not going to meet it yet. And then we get the famous verse afterwards, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And that comes right after this case study of Apollos' strength. This is the kind of men we need. Men who aren't going to lead in a domineering fashion. Men who will compel people by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, who will say, follow me as I follow Christ. But there is a massive difference between saying, follow me as I follow Christ and follow me into my vision. Do not be domineering over the flock, but set for them an example, which is what we'll talk about next week. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.